0: Hello and welcome to the Pretty Pixels. I thought you were starting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're just staring at each other like.
0: A, uh, a, welcome to <laughs> the Pretty Pixels podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joey Crunwell,
1: and I am your second and most endearing host, My Tab London. Bitch. We're gonna this is
0: gonna be a thing <laughs> every time. <laughs> uh, our we have a show. This, we have. I, I, would, I might call this like the early E3 show because mm-hmm. this week there's been a ton of like announcements and gameplay trailers and things like that. So this is sort of mostly this episode is mostly going to be us talking about some of the big reveals of the past week. Yeah. Um, and then our main course is just going to be a couple of small indie gems that we both mm-hmm. recently played. Uh, and then next week we'll have our big E3 preview episode where we talk about what we want to see what we expect to see that kind of thing and then of course the week after will be our e3 extravaganza
1: extravaganza
0: extravaganza so
1: bring the snacks
0: oh yeah what's your what's your favorite like when when you watch e3 coverage what's your favorite snack
1: <laughs> like i have a dedicated you have a dedicated E3. e3, e3? Snack.
0: how do you not have a dedicated e3 snack okay well what's your oh what's your God. favorite gaming snack then
1: my favorite gaming snack so i like to mix things up a little bit because if all you eat is sweets that sometimes becomes a little much so sometimes like a good trail mix sweet and salty can be perfect
0: disgusting um for me it's uh (laughs) (laughs) what are we even doing today i don't know i don't know it's weird we're recording in the morning this normally doesn't happen i'm kind Mm -hmm. of thrown off just got done with a very long walk with my cat um you don't like trail mix at all? That's what I'm saying. No, I mean, with. it's okay. It's just, I like to separate my flavors. So if I want sweet, I want sweet. If I want salty, I want salty. Oh. I don't want to like mix them all together. So when I pick up a piece of sweet, it's covered in salt from the salty part. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just lose, <laughs> they all lose their You're flavor. You're a very simple man. <laughs> just, just give him a chocolate. I'll, I'll eat chocolates by themselves, a little right, pretzel by right. themselves. Um, and sometimes they sneak in the gross stuff. They're like, "Here's a here's a dried prune." You know what I mean? Oh, like, you gotta buy here. the right trail mix. What are right you talking about? Some,
1: some trail mix though, like the really good stuff, is not even actually trail mix. It's just like a, a,
0: a mesh of like, "Here's a bunch of sweets." See? Okay. Well, that's, you're right. I have to find those trail mixes. <laughs> here's a bunch of Hershey Kisses in a bag. That's my trail mix. That's... <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so let's let's we have let's four just things to cover. Dive in. <laughs> uh Techland had their Dying 2, Dying Light 2, uh gameplay reveal. <laughs> Sony had a state of play dedicated to Horizon Forbidden West. Square Enix mm-hmm. had a Dragon Quest 35th anniversary announcement which had a bunch of games and then Ubisoft had their worldwide gameplay reveal trailer for Far Cry 6. What do we want to start with?
1: Let's just go in order.
0: All right. Techland with Dying Light 2. Which they announced the release date of December seventh. Do you think it'll yes. it'll stick to that?
1: Ugh, their development seems to have been so fraught due to COVID and leadership stuff. I I'm excited that we did get a release date because I did enjoy the first Dying Light, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. I could definitely see this being delayed further i mean i know that they never officially had to delay it because they didn't have a release date but because of the news about like their development woes it does seem like they kept having to push 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 um and ultimately i want the game to just be you know a solid game but i will have some uh, cautious anticipation
0: yeah i feel like that's such a late release date that Mm -hmm. they're really hoping to push it like maybe that's why it's so late is they're like this is the earliest we can make sure that we can kind of guarantee that it won't get pushed because why wouldn't you want to hit the black friday weekend like yeah early december seems like a nintendo release date i mean that's when they release a lot of their big games um
1: it reminds me a little bit of cyberpunk yeah with their delays and it being pushed that late into the year
0: yeah so i i I feel like it will just because of that just because you know why not if they're not sure they're gonna delay it why not just go for black friday go for the third week of Mm -hmm. november but um but who knows maybe it's that late because they're you know again like that's the the earliest they before they can hit the holiday because you still want to release before christmas of course right um that's the very earliest they can conceive of making sure they have it done like i don't know i guess we we will see um yeah but what, let's, let's talk about what they showed. So what were some of the things that, that caught your eye?
1: Um, parkour. Parkour. Uh, <laughs> what was the ridiculous number that they said?
0: Wasn't it like 30,000 or something?
1: Yeah, like what the what? Was it
0: 30 <laughs> or was it 3,000? Maybe I'm exact. I don't know, but it was like.
1: It, it was a big number. Yeah, X number um, of
0: animations for parkour.
1: I'll be curious to see if there truly is that kind of. Variety, because that's like it's one of those sort of big developer claims, right? Right. Um, and remember not to totally shit on Cyberpunk today when they were talking about like the wall running mechanics, and they totally had to cut that from the game. Yeah. I'm not saying that Dying Light Two will be like that, but um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I thought the environment and kind of like the atmosphere was was cool. Um, and then I forget what are the number of factions that we have?
0: I, I thought I remember, I should have watched it a second time because I, I yeah. had, I was taking notes on my phone and I thought they said that there were three factions, but then when I tried looking okay. it up, cause I had written two of them down and it was Renegade and Night Runners. But then when I looked it up on the, I don't, I don't, know, I don't, know, if, I don't know if it's the official, but the wiki for the, the game and like the. Um, various news articles about it only had two listed, and I was like, I don't think that's... Uh, right. And they weren't even Renegades and Nightrunners, but what I found was uh, online was Renegades, Nightrunners, Peacekeepers, and Scavengers. So there's at least four, I think, but I thought I remember okay. them saying three, so I don't know if one of them is, like, its own thing or something.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing Peacekeepers and Scavengers.
0: Yeah, those that's... two are locked in, like, a civil it war. I, it was kind of what I was reading. But you're okay. a member of the Night Runners, so right how can that not be a faction unless it's again maybe it's True. its own thing um, and maybe renegades aren't really a faction maybe that's what they call bandits and outlaws like i said i don't i don't quite remember but um, i do like that there are bandits and outlaws because these factions basically you can choose to ally with them or not and so you'll kind of meet some of them i'm assuming do some missions for them and then figure out like what they're about and whether or not you want to support them. And I'm assuming there's going to be some choice based missions where they ask you to do something that's maybe morally or ethically a little questionable. And then you're like, mm, do I want to, and if you do it, maybe it'll piss off another one of the factions or something like that. Um, so I like that there are enemies that aren't part of these factions. Cause of course I'm going to want to try to keep the peace as much as I can and not piss off these factions. Right. But I like that there are bandits and outlaws that are not part of these factions that are on the streets um, that are kind of a common enemy because that'll give me someone to take out all my frustration on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and especially in games like this where I, my tension gets really high from zombies mm-hmm. and everything like that. Man, just finding an enemy that I can just like unload on is right is always good. Yeah. I thought the nests were really interesting. So much of this reminded me of, um, oh, God, what's that Will Smith movie? with all the zombies and the legend? dog i'm a legend yeah I'm legend? i think yeah. so yeah um that that movie was very similar in that there were that the zombies or vampires or whatever they are only came out at night and mm-hmm. during the day they would all crowd around in buildings and just kind of huddle around um and so then at night these buildings are empty and so in dying light 2 there's some kind of valuable it says something in the trailer like valuable treasures or goodies or something but it looks like the player character injects himself with something so i'm assuming these are like permanent upgrades kind of like in Mm -hmm. um well several several games but i'm thinking of uh what's the zombie one that everyone hated not hated um the motorcycle one you know what I'm talking about. Days, days Gone. Days gone, yeah. And that you okay. inject yourself yeah. with the permanent upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's high risk because there's the nests aren't completely empty. There's some stray zombies in there, and I'm assuming if they spot you, they make a lot of noise and then all the other zombies come rushing in. Right. So Sounds think,
1: very uh anxiety inducing. So it, looking forward to that.
0: <laughs> are we gonna play co op? Because it said co op from two to four players
1: yes I, there's no way i'm going to be able to get through this game if you don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is another one of those games uh, where i'm like let's see if ron's down see if Paul or russell's yeah, down because yeah. like that would be um the more help the better there were so many different new kinds of zombies that looked like um mm-hmm. there were like screaming zombies and this massive giant zombie with a hammer so and it, the game looked great um one of the things I really liked about the original Dying Light and Dead Island was the environmental storytelling. I mm-hmm. thought they did such a good job of you know bringing this post-apocalyptic world to life and having whether it's an apartment or like a bus or whatever making it genuinely look like it was ravaged or abandoned and people right. were trying to flee. And that's one of the reasons why as much as I did like Dying Light 1, I I was hoping that they would work on the next Dead Island because I loved that sort of tropical setting and this idea that all these people were on on vacation and paradise and disaster struck and it was, a, it was a really interesting place to set a zombie apocalypse um, because we've seen cities like we're gonna do in Dying Light two. It's just right, right, which again I, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, Dead Island two, I have no idea when that's coming out. I don't even think Techland is developing it anymore, but. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I am super super excited. Yeah. Another thing though, they during the so the the presentation was one of those very scripted, very sort of polished things. But mm-hmm. they try to act like they're having conversations, and so it, it comes. A weird. Cur- it's it's it was so <laughs> fake. It's like, so wait, what are you talking about here? And he's like, well, and like one of them was they had a, one of the developers on, and one of the hosts said something like oh well, you know have all these new zombies or whatever and he's like those aren't zombies those are infected people who have become a monster come <laughs> okay. on man get out they're of here They're zombies I, yeah i hate how there's this movement where like zombies were becoming big and so companies were like well we want to get in on the movement mm-hmm. but our zombies are different they're not zombies they're infected or they're this or they're that and it's like they're they're zombies you know right right um what else? Anything else about Dying Light 2? Um
1: no, I, I I want to be more excited than I currently am, but again, I think it's just because December seventh feels very far away yeah. and I just wanna be a little cautious.
0: And like you said, we've known about it for a while and it's been sort of if not delayed at the very least, you know, just well, sort of
1: And I think we're we're both very attuned to the promise of E three. Mm-hmm and yeah. then what reality is often so
0: <laughs> yeah and it's great to get excited i was excited when watching the trailer but then like you said um, i'm gonna tuck this excitement into a little suitcase mm-hmm. in my brain for for later when it gets closer to release but uh but yeah, yeah. so that was that was dying light 2 mm-hmm. um and then what, what, what did i have next oh sony state of play yeah wow i almost yeah. want to save this one for last because this is this was the <laughs> the most exciting for me i think um yeah so, Sony had a 20-minute state of play. They showed, I think it was 16 minutes of gameplay footage mm-hmm. from uh, Horizon Forbidden West. No release date up front. Yeah. They said, we're working on it. Previously, yeah. at a, I think it was an investor call, they said that this was a 2021 game still. So, mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're still shooting for 2021. Um, And what I'm sort of hoping is that we're going to hear at E3. If there's an, you know, because... I don't think Sony is done. I think they're still going to have some of these types of events throughout yeah, yeah. June. So I'm hoping that maybe there's some big, just PlayStation like collage video kind of thing, um, cool. where they they you know hype up the brand and hype up the the PS5 mm-hmm. and drop like a release date or two. I think that would be fun. Maybe a new trailer for God of War stuff like that. Yeah. So. Um, but let's talk about the, the gameplay. There was a lot to see, a lot to talk about. So yes. what were some of the things that stood out to you?
1: So two things that really stood out to me, um, the first one being just how gorgeous the game was. Like, I thought the first one looked really good. I thought it was one of the more um, pretty games on on the PS4. This one, I think, is going to be a delight on the PS5. It looks so damn good. Like We were talking about like the particle effects mm. and the lighting and... One of the things that I'm really starting to notice with some of the uh, current gen stuff is just like the face animations. And like there was one point where they focused in on Aloy's face and she kind of had this like furrowed brow and you could see the lines in her forehead. And I was like... Wow. Like this is how far we've come and hair is starting to look a little more normal. (laughs) Um, Some developers still still struggle with that. But it's really cool to see like this progression graphically. Um, Not that I need my games to all look like top tier as far as graphics are concerned. But when games are beautiful like that, I definitely appreciate it. The second thing was the environments and the seamless or the seemingly seamless transition between environments. Mm-hmm. So at one point in the, uh, the the gameplay footage that they showed, Aloy is. Um, uh, I forget if if she had already entered into combat or if it was part of like the sneaking around bit, but she was on like the coast, the beach. And then she jumps into the water and it was so seamless. And it was like that was its own little world, its own environment down there that felt that felt whole, that felt complete. And then she just popped right back out of the water like I'm ready to explore, man, like this. This really has me excited.
0: Yeah, and it's it's hard to describe why that's so impressive, but there's so many little moving parts in all of those. Mm-hmm. You know, she's being chased. There's trees that are moving. There's little robots and little things, and um and then she dives underwater, and that's the same thing. There's so many like lush plants that all look very like moving, like on their own. They're not like copy and pasted kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool, and. Like you said, I, for for me, one of the things I noticed, because it does look very good, and I know we saw some people in the comments being stupid and being like, oh, it looks just like the PS4 version, and it's like, yeah, the art style and the graphical style is the same, and right. I think at a passing glance, you might say that they look very similar, because the, the one for the PS4 did look very good, but there are certain things that just, I think you kind of have to see to understand, because for me there was, like, a feeling to the textures. Like, what I'm noticing about textures, and I'm really big on textures within... And maybe it's maybe it's the new... Uh, having the PS5 and having these new consoles. Like, maybe it's the... Um, oh, God, what is it called? That lighting thing that everyone is making a big deal about. Oh. <laughs> like, not light refraction, but... Um, the, the new lighting technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, textures seem more realistic, not in the sense that they look bumpy or whatever, but they just look real. Like it looks like I, I know what Aloy's costume feels like. If if I touched her clothes or her hair, I have a sense of what it feels like. And that's so hard to describe, but in the past, I never really got that sense for most games because it looked like a video game. Like as good as it looked, it still looked like a video game, but now things mm. are so layered and there's so much detail, in the bump mapping and, and coloring and everything that everything looks like it probably would feel in real life. If you were really Mm -hmm. to make Aloy's costume, you know, it would, certain parts of it would feel very specifically like certain things. And, um, and her hair was just, I I was so obsessed with her hair. It looked so the way it was moving, which again, it beautiful hair in the last one, the way it moved was great because one of the things in the last one I remember us talking about was how many moving parts were on, her character period Mm -hmm. like when she moved all of her costume parts moved individually
1: right it wasn't like just this sweeping motion it was like little parts were moving Uh um based on like how she was stepping or how she was running and her jumping over something like that was really cool to see
0: yeah um there's a a grappling hook now Mm -hmm. that's interesting that's gonna make traversal that, um,
1: that like I don't know what to call it, that, like, sticky gun that shot out the stuff yeah. at the the mammoth type thing to, like, slow it down. Like, I'm excited to see that they're not just, like, recycling the old tools, you know, there's, like, new stuff added in.
0: Yeah, and I, the combat looked really good, and for me, that was intense. one of my favorite things about the first game was, like, <laughs> it was so well balanced. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you you go into the game, and they, of course, good game development game design where, um, there's the simpler dinosaurs at first and later on, but it's an open world game in the truest sense in that you can go to the parts of the map with the giant like T-Rex monsters mm-hmm. and try your luck. But you probably, you know, and you could, in all, in all, you know, fairness, you can kill them at that point in mm-hmm. time. If you're good enough, if you're fast enough and skilled enough, you don't have all the tools yet that will make it easier. But if you're good enough, you can, you can probably take them down and, and I thought the combat was masterfully sort of like slowly um, rolled out to where mm. you get a new piece of equipment and it has a very specific set piece. And I know that's pretty normal in games, but it all just felt very natural and it looks the same here. Like when we, and I, I had this instinct when we were watching it where it like the, 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 she was fighting, Aloy was fighting this kind of mammoth or this, giant elephant type of thing um you know robot thing and she started fighting it and i immediately was like where are the yellow spots like where are the the weak points that you have to shoot off because it's taking such an old video game mechanic the first one included um and making it new and it makes sense in this world it's not just a weak point it's not just oh here's you know a yellow spot for you to shoot there's yeah, a yeah. mechanical reason on these things why when you knock that thing off, it'll knock their armor off, or you know, um, ignite fuel or something like that. So um, I thought that was really was really cool. I'm really looking forward to that. There's a glider mm-hmm. that is going to be amazing. Um, I it looked like the climbing was slightly more free, f- like freeform, kind of yeah. Like it's not like you could climb everything, but it looks like it, it's making like there are more more areas you can climb in and then the ending I know you were excited about they showed this giant like hurricane or this giant storm in the mm-hmm. distance and the implication I thought was that there's going to be weather effects or there're going to be these like right. massive storms that you encounter uh, and you, I know, are a huge nerd I for <laughs> love
1: weather and video
0: games. <laughs> and imagine what it's going to look like in this. I in know, this engine. I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> Even just the water looked beautiful, yeah. and so the fact that it's like at least in the area that they they focused on with the gameplay, it's this tropical kind of setting. You've got the coast, the water's beautiful, but then you throw in weather. I'm like, mm, give me that.
0: <laughs> yeah, the under the like the under part of the water looked really good I, I don't know how to describe it but like the top part of water games have been getting getting what the hell <laughs> games have been getting really good at um you know making the like the assassin's creed games or ubisoft games in general mm-hmm. beautiful looking waves beautiful looking water um but in this game in particular like when she went under the way that the 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 area under the water was mirrored on the top of the I guess I would call it the canopy, there's probably a word for it, but like the canopy of the water. So like mm-hmm. the, the, the bottom, like the underneath of the top part, that's, I I don't know, maybe I'm not describing it well, but like when she looked up and you could see the the top part of the water, I thought that looked right, really, right. Mm-hmm. really impressive. And I feel like that's what I loved so much about the first game was that you could tell they put so much care into the environment and into the graphics. And I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I, I love games of all kinds, but i'm when i play a game that's beautiful i am just constantly appreciative I'm, I'm moving from like area to area like looking at all the little things and and so yeah, it just
1: enhances the the environment and the experience overall
0: yeah totally um what else anything anything else we want to touch on that anything that you're looking forward to that they didn't show
1: um I I'm glad that they haven't dipped too much into the story because I definitely don't want to know too much about that. I don't want any of that spoiled. So I am eager to see where that will take us, but I don't really want to know more at this point.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, Kind of the same thing. Like part of me almost didn't want to even watch that because it's gameplay footage. Like, why do I need, I don't need to see it. I know I'm going to buy the game um but i i couldn't help it i was very excited and i'm not disappointed i don't feel like they they spoiled anything and no no um i'm i'm really really looking forward yeah, to it yeah if that you're
1: one. curious definitely check it out you don't really have to worry much about spoilers or you know yeah. too much exposure to the game so
0: yeah if i if it's if i like it half as much as i liked the first game it'll be a contender for game of the year <laughs> cuz the first one was was pretty rad Um, all right, so let's move on to the Square Enix Dragon Quest 35th anniversary live stream. Um, you didn't watch that one, right? No,
1: so this is all you.
0: (laughs) Have you, you haven't played any Dragon Quest games, have you? I, no, I don't think so. No. I don't know that they're, they're your type of game. They're very like old school RPG, turn-based, that kind of thing. I mean, I know you loved Persona, but that has a little Mm -hmm. bit more like of an active, there's a lot more going on in combat. It's still turn-based, but... Yeah, Um, but Dragon Quest, that's one of its defining features as a series is how much it's stuck to the traditional formula. Um, And for their 35th anniversary stream, they released or announced six new Dragon Quest titles. Um, So Dragon Quest X is an online entry for the game. Uh, and it's been out for a while now. I want to say like 10 years or something. Oh, shit. And so they, they announced a new upgrade coming to that. That was one of the quote unquote games, which was just an update, like an expansion. Um, and then they announced something called Dragon Quest 10 offline, which is like a chibi version of the Dragon Quest 10 story. Neither of these are coming to the West. Unfortunately, they're exclusive to oh. Japan. Yeah. Okay. And it's one of the things that as a Western dragon quest fan was so disappointing when they announced 10 because i loved dragon quest 8 and dragon quest 8 was was the first dragon quest where they made a really big concentrated push to make it not only available in the west but appeal to the west so in japan dragon quest 8 had uh, a standard midi mp or like midi um soundtrack so it sounded like all the old kind of um I don't want to say chip tuny, but like you know, the very synthetic kind of Dragon Quest music. Uh, in order to appeal to Western audiences, they had the the London Philharmonic Orchestra um, record a live, or I don't want to say live, but they re- recorded the soundtrack. And so there's an actual orchestral version of it for Dragon oh. Quest Eight in the West. Beautiful soundtrack, one of my favorites. Um, so they made a big push with Eight, and it was pretty successful. But then nine came out on the DS, uh, and so it was like, well, okay, I, I played it and I loved it, but I was like waiting for the next Dragon Quest eight, like I wanted the next big console version. So then they announced ten, and it was online, and I'm like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. I was like, but you know, I'll play it. And then they didn't release it in the West, so I had to wait until eleven, um, which came out just a few years ago. So it's you know disappointing that that ten never came, but also it's online, so. I don't know if I would have played it anyway, but they did also release uh, or announce a few more games. One of them was called Dragon Quest uh, Keshi Keshi, which is a mobile game. I don't know if that one's coming to the West or not. I don't, I don't imagine it is. It's a simple puzzle game with like cute little Dragon Quest erasers. Um, And then the three that I'm most excited about, one of them is called Dragon Quest Treasures, and it's based on characters from Dragon Quest 11, Eric and Mia, and they they didn't say much about it at all they just said that it's uh quote it's an rpg but nothing at all like a traditional one and that's just about all i can say right now and the little gameplay that they showed it was very hard to tell what you're going to be doing in this game or anything like that but just the promise of it the idea that it's going to be this game set in the dragon quest 11 world which i loved 11 um and the the idea, it said that there's two themes, childhood and treasure hunting. Hmm. There's so much they can do with that. Now, will they? I have no idea. But if it's this, I, I, I guess what I'm sort of imagining is it's going to be something like a, um, like a pirating game, because Eric was a pirate. I think he was a pirate. Um, so something like a Sea of Thieves or a Black Flag where you get to go out on a ship and go treasure hunting as these characters. I think that would be super exciting. Um, they did also tease Dragon Quest 12. That's all they showed was a title card and a subtitle. It's called Dragon Quest 12 The Flames of Fate. Um, the title card does look darker and more sinister than previous games. Like, previous games, it's been all about bright colors. The The games are very bright. The characters are very kind of bright and um, anime-esque. Uh, they didn't show any characters. They just showed the title card, but it was all very sort of stony. The 12 was in flames. Um... And then Yuji Hori, the series director and creator, says the input combat will be different. And I haven't looked, I'm not part of like any Dragon Quest communities, but I feel like there must be people out there just losing their shit over that because <laughs> sure. the combat system has been virtually the same for 35 years. And so we don't know if that means a small change to the combat or if they're really going to go crazy and try like something newer, like a persona or a final fantasy, because final fantasy combat has changed dramatically over the years. So I'm really curious about how that's going to come, come to pass, but a game that was a huge surprise and has a lot of people excited. Myself included was a remake of dragon quest three, which I think is just called dragon quest three, H two or HD 2d remake. So they're using the engine from Octopath traveler, and so it's that very beautiful, like faux 2D, 3D kind of look. And for that, and Dragon Quest 12, they had they're planning a simultaneous worldwide release, which is they've never done that before for the major releases. They always come about a year later. So like Japan got Dragon Quest 11, and then we had to sit here and see, and you know see screenshots and stuff and wait for a year. But they're planning for Dragon Quest 12 and th- the three remake for it to be simultaneous worldwide release no release uh date but they showed a lot of footage so if you're interested in that go check that out it looks beautiful i imagine they're pretty far along on it if you like the graphical style of octopath traveler and the upcoming project triangle um i definitely take a look because i've never played dragon quest 3 but i'm absolutely buying this because i liked some of the the dragon quest remakes that they have on the ds and this one just has that really gorgeous art or graphical style so I am hyped for that. So that's uh, that's the Dragon Quest 35th anniversary Cool, stream. that's a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, and they did it live and they had Yuji Hori and a, a host and they had a translator and this woman was so impressive because she's translating for two people into English and apparently they had six different oh. languages depending on what region you were watching it. Wow. And yeah, and she was, I mean, she was making mistakes but I can't imagine having to, even if two people were speaking in English, and you had to have me relay what they were saying to an audience. Mm-hmm. I would be fucking tripping over myself. <laughs> so to to have to translate Japanese, which is a very different language in terms of like sentence structure from English, that's, it was, I was so impressed by, by that. So that was, that was a really cool, cool event. Uh, and again, I think it shows, not again, I've never really talked about this, but I think it shows just how, and I'll probably be touching this, touching on this on my, in my dissertation, um, how companies like square enix are more and more trying to go for these global simultaneous releases. Whereas in the past they were very focused on Japanese audiences. And then later on, they would bring it to the West if they found there was enough interest, but um, they're trying to make global media products now, which is interesting to me. Cool. Cool. Um, so, okay. So let's move on to far cry six then.
1: Yeah. This is the most recent.
0: <laughs> and you so, you are the is this the one you're most excited for or would you say it's Horizon? I,
1: no, I think I'm most excited for Horizon. So I I have many feelings about Far Cry as a franchise and I think I'll probably I'll always follow it closely. But at the end of the day, like Far Cry games are usually not known for their stories. It's like I've said before, it's a playground where you like blow up shit and have fun. Um, So there's not really that same, I guess I would say depth of experience that I've had with other open world games and like RPGs. Um, But I'm not saying that necessarily to like diss on Far Cry. I'm very excited for Far Cry. I'm glad that we have a release date. Um, But as far as like quality game and storytelling, I'm more excited for Horizon. But...
0: Um, and that release date is October seventh, right? October seventh, yes.
1: Yeah. A little bit later than I wanted. I I feel like I have not had like a big game release that I could be really excited about uh, for quite some time now, and so I was hoping it might be a little bit sooner than that. But that's okay. Um, it always seems like the big games drop during the semester when we're when we're busy. Mm-hmm. So that's always a delight. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you, Ubisoft. Kind of messed up a little bit on their uh, event, though, with saying, like, it starts at, what was it supposed to be, 12.30? And it didn't really start until 1 or something like that. It was very
0: frustrating, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was was a wee bit frustrating, developers. Please don't. (laughs) Please don't do this. (laughs) If you say
0: your event starts at 12.30... Don't give us a 30-minute countdown to when your event starts. Your event yes. starting is not – can you imagine going to the – movie? well, at okay, the movies is a terrible example. <laughs> Bad because, example. Because <laughs> they do just that. But, like, yeah. I can't imagine going to any kind of professional – like, going – so we do academic conferences, and we're talking about doing yeah. uh, this big – you know one called four c's i can't mm. imagine someone being like oh come to my panel it starts at seven and then i get there and there's a timer that's for 30 minutes i would be so no. angry i would leave and like I you're wasting our leave. time <laughs> yeah um and and the, the the funny and frustrating thing too is that there was a countdown to the countdown so we yeah. went there a little before twelve thirty or, or eleven thirty my time and it was like there was a countdown to twelve thirty. and i'm like oh cool and then it starts as it hits twelve thirty. And 30. you start seeing, like, these, like, <laughs> background shots of Far Cry 6. I'm like, oh, here we go. And mm-hmm. then I see a countdown timer. I'm like, that's weird. This is a... I was like, is that a countdown timer for how long they're going to go to make sure they don't go over? And then, in, like, 45 seconds, and I'm like, no, this is literally this a countdown another timer. another countdown. Yep. So that was kind of a shit show. But uh, yeah. what about the game itself? Like, what, yes. what were your thoughts about that?
1: So very much Far Cry, very much in in the vein of our more recent Far Cry's um really ever since Far Cry 3, we've had titles that are, you know, they'll try to like play up the villain, but it's all about having fun. It's not meant to be taken too seriously. And we definitely saw that with the, uh, the weapons and the companions that were introduced. Um, initially, you know, months ago when we found out that Far Cry would also be, um, you know it, there would be like the rural environment but also more of like the city i was like eh, i don't know like how how are they actually going to pull that off but i think it actually is looking pretty decent i mean we can't say definitively until we actually get our hands on the game but um i thought the environments looked decent i know there were people in the twitch chat that were like this game looks ugly it looks like far cry 4 <sighs> again <laughs> Ubisoft is not known for being at the forefront of graphics like they make improvements across their franchises you can track those changes um they make like slower sort of progression I think um but having said that I thought that the game looked fine like it's not like it was ugly or anything uh so I'm pleased with how it's looking so far uh the companions have me excited give me that alligator i think
0: so, i think it was a saltwater crocodile oh it was a crocodile I okay think so I um, think, at least that's what i saw people not okay. only in the chat but online they were referring but i thought it was an alligator too because it had a, a little bit of a broader snout but okay i i'm not I sure really either don't. yeah
1: but that looks cute the fucking little wiener dog is cute.
0: no get, no 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 wiener dog <laughs> no i, I want to
1: like <laughs> fuck someone up with this wiener dog though I'm like that's hilarious um that's yeah. very far cry that yeah <laughs> Um, you know, story-wise, I have to say I don't really feel hooked yet, and maybe that won't happen, but again, the franchise is not really known for having incredible stories. I am curious, but I'm I'm not really feeling like that pull yet. Um, I know some people were like, oh, please don't have any of the RPG elements that were in New Dawn that doesn't bother me as much because, again, Ubisoft usually doesn't, like, completely alter a system. They'll slowly make changes. And we saw some of the similar things with the weapons that they had in New Dawn where you could kind of customize different kinds of weapons. But they also had, like, your standard, you know, AK-47s or whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm not really concerned about the combat. But what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, for the the weapons, just give me that bow and arrow. Like, a, like in, in Far right. Cry 4... Once I got that, I found it to be so satisfying. Like, normally I'm not a bow and arrow kind of player in terms of these games, but I found it to be, I mean, it's silent. It has range If you once you upgrade it or get, like, the good ones. um, It's super accurate, and, you know, it just... There's something about the the mechanic of firing and the sound of it landing and, like, getting that really good hit that just is so satisfying. And so I went with that with five as soon as I could get get a really good bow and i just sort of stick with it um so yeah the combat definitely if there is i mean i'm hoping i'm assuming i don't remember seeing one in the trailer but but it's been sort of a staple so yeah i'm hoping that they'd i be a little surprised yeah
1: if they didn't include it
0: in terms of tone like you said it's interesting because we've talked about ubisoft having a i think we called it a tone problem or a tone issue yes and it's like i don't know it's so hard because i don't mind that very uneven tone because there are parts of far cry four and five that are very serious Mm -hmm. um, very direct are talking about very serious issues and then there's all that really silly stuff like you said having a bear as a companion or a mountain lion as a companion um i want that stuff that stuff feels fun and kind of silly and there's silly side missions where you do things in assassin's creed valhalla and stuff like that um so it's like i don't know i don't really know what I, i and i I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect that, that might have been part of the reason that they were so adamant that our games, quote unquote, aren't political, because if they are, you have to take it seriously. If you're seriously talking about, you know, religious cults in America, then you have to treat that with a little bit more, you know, not reverence, reverence but or respect. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so having like cheeseburger, the bear running around makes it seem a little silly. Right. Um, but and that's you know that's understandable to an extent but they did just come out with a a press release yesterday i think it was that said yeah. our game is political i haven't read through it yet but
1: it's fine
0: it it's like we all <laughs> it, knew to
1: me it feels like that washed down corporate statement yeah. um because they're like you know we we referred to experts and we have an awareness but this is fictional. And it's like, right. please don't. They they even said, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, my only hope is that we are willing to let the story speak for itself first before forming hard opinions on its political reflections. Ooh, that's AKA maybe don't really worry about it,
0: it you know? Sounds, and yeah,
1: it, yeah. So whatever, Ubisoft. Like, I don't. It's a problematic company that has some deep issues. I'm I am a little surprised to see the statement, but it feels like, oh, we'll just appease them by giving them like this little offering. But we don't actually mean it. And part of me wonders if at some point Far Cry as a franchise will sort of run its course or if it just completely shifts into the absurd, you know. Yeah. Um, but everything's political. Even you saying like this isn't political or don't make any judgments now is political right like politics isn't everything don't look at the comment sections don't do it people. (laughs) you will pull your hair out
0: (laughs) yeah and no matter what your thoughts are going in like what how you feel about the game or the company you're gonna find something to to make you mad yeah um yeah yeah, that's super interesting to me and it's hard because like on the one hand i want them to use this is based on cuba it's a fictional version of cuba Mm -hmm. so on the one hand i'm like i want them to pay tribute to cuba and show the culture there because we and especially in america just don't get very much of it because we've Mm -hmm. been separated from it for so long um but on the other hand i do understand that by doing that they're gonna be held to a much higher regard in terms of how cuba is depicted um and so it's Which like,
1: would be fair,
0: right? Absolutely, <laughs> and but so it's like they get away with it. They're like, "Yeah, we're gonna borrow your culture and your, you know, because you have like the old vehicles, you know, because Cuba is known for having these old nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties vehicles and kind of keeping them up and running and beautiful all the way to the to the present. Um, and you have that in the game. You have a bunch of vehicles that you can drive and customize and. And, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. My guess is it'll probably be about as deep as the cultural representation of Far Cry 4, which I'm yeah. not necessarily that great. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It'll probably exoticize Cuba. Yes. And that's, yes. again, they can get away with it because it's not really Cuba. It's yeah. whatever it's, it's fiction. called. Yeah. Don't look
1: at our game too deeply.
0: <laughs> but it does look, be- like, I think the island looks beautiful. I love that there's the mix of jungle and urban environment mm. because... And I think that's one of the things that's so interesting about open world games is that you still want to have levels like in old school game design. um, But how you do that is like sometimes hard because um, even in a game like, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, which I loved, you know, it's very they do a really great job of moving from like jungle to desert to snow, Mm -hmm. like snowy kind of mountains um, But it's still very unrealistic. It's like, there's no way there'd be snow that close to, you know, <laughs> right. desert or whatever. But um, this feels, this does feel very natural because, I mean, they really only look like there's the two settings, jungle and, you know, city or kind of urban yeah. um, areas, but, but it it makes a lot of sense in this environment. I think it looks, you know, like you said, the graphics, I think Ubisoft can do graphics right. Valhalla was a beautiful game. But as you said, it's all iterative, so it's like it's gonna take a while for like you know this is a, a game that I would imagine they developed for the PlayStation Four and sort of resed or ported up to PlayStation Five. But for me, I think it's that saltwater crocodile. That's what I'm I'm looking forward to the most. I don't know if that'll be like my
1: did we my get a main, name?
0: I don't I don't know if we did. Maybe okay. that I didn't I didn't write it down. If we if we did. Yeah um you can play the main character as uh a woman or a man um female danny is very hot so that'll be it's a i
1: thought the voice actress was like on point
0: yeah and they i thought like i wouldn't if if they wouldn't have mentioned that you can pick male or female danny i would have thought that that female danny was the protagonist like the only protagonist because they focused on her and she like you said the voice actress seems so confident and so just in in the role so
1: which unfortunately i feel like well uh, i wouldn't say if i think of like notable voice actor performances i don't typically think of ubisoft games and i'm not saying that this was like oh my god out of you know knocked it right out of the park but it was really solid
0: there's there's some good ones um cassandra from from uh... I, I didn't play that one. Oh, you son of a bitch you know this um, well that was a it good does. example too though where that that fee- you can play um a male fe- or female character in that but the default ended up for most people being cassandra and it should have just been the only choice was cassandra i think but um especially because that one's a third person game it's not quite as like you're not really expecting to be as immersed as far cry. So where it's like female Danny is, it seems like the the better choice here. I'll probably pick male Danny because it's first person. And I'm sort of like living this experience through my, mm. my eyes. Um, but, but I, you know, maybe it'll be a two playthrough game. Maybe I'll play through as femme Danny just to, to check it out.
1: Well, And here I am, Torn, the non-binary person. Who do I pick? Yeah.
0: Pick both of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, that'll be the day, though. Like, eventually, when there's, you know, more, like, more representation where they're willing to pay people to come in and do.
1: Or, you know, I think I said this right after we watched the the reveal. Okay, if you're going to have, like, your stock silhouettes and one is, like, marked as quote-unquote male, the other one quote-unquote female— allow me a little bit of customization
0: yeah not only that i this is one of the reasons going back to silent protagonists where i never minded silent protagonists i know that they became sort of a joke and a lot of people didn't end up liking them and they were like it makes it a weaker story because you don't have a character that has any personality okay i understand that absolutely especially from an external viewing but from someone who's like trying to play the role of this character, I preferred it because I could insert my own voice, my own personality onto, Mm -hmm. especially if it was one like Knights of the Old Republic where you make your character, I could make my character look however I wanted and then voice it. However I wanted in my head, I could read the dialogue however I wanted, you know, I'm not going to say I prefer silent protagonists, but there's a part of me that will always like silent protagonists because it allows for more projection of the player. Um, and like the whole gender thing is, I think, a big part of that. I don't. I virtually never have to worry about it, of course, because there's just always a male option. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, Lucky. I think that would allow <laughs> that would that would allow for a lot more people to to uh, enjoy the immersion or the the idea of them being in the game, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the vehicles? One, last, we'll just, that'll be our, the last thing. Are you, I was impressed by the customization, but I was like, wait a minute, when is driving vehicles in Far Cry games fun? You know what I mean? It's right. always, just it's always so
1: wonky and yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I don't have hope for the, the driving mechanics to be that much more improved. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll surprise us.
0: <laughs> so, okay. Anything, anything else about Far Cry?
1: uh no except that at some point uh once we get closer to october 7th we will be doing a sort of uh i guess retrospective on the franchise and i do want to make it clear that we both recognize that there are some pretty problematic elements to these games uh we don't mean to like gloss over them but we'll we'll talk more about that and more later on
0: it's i think it's always worth doing that like because Especially with like Far Cry Five, I kind of wish we would have had a podcast at that time because mm-hmm. um, there was really interesting political commentary happening, despite what Ubisoft said mm-hmm. at the time. Um,
1: and it struck it like just the the right moment. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, and it was interesting because it's Ubisoft. I think it's isn't it Ubisoft Montreal? So it's this Canadian company commentating yes. on American culture, which is something that we don't often see. But, Joey,
1: don't you know they went out into the rural communities and they, like, talked to some people? <laughs> he
0: said, don't you know? You sounded Canadian. <laughs> don't you know? Um, but, yeah, that, that was a really So, I'm, you know, I'm interested to see how, you know, Cuba is portrayed in this game. Like you said, we'll definitely be talking about it. It feels weird because it feels like we just had this giant segment. But, really, technically, I was still just the news segment. So...
1: Well, there's a lot to talk about. That's
0: there. that's true. So let's move on to what we were playing, though, or what we've been playing. Um, I'll go first, because we've both been playing the game that you... Yeah, yeah. So I'll just quickly say that I'm still playing Mass Effect uh, and Resident Evil Village. I finished Mass Effect 1, and then as a kind of palate cleanser, I played through Resident Evil Village another time and a half. And one of the things that's so annoying, and this is a mixture, I think, of my mistake and Capcom's <laughs> Capcom's fault, is like Resident Evil Village has a new game plus feature and like many of the Resident Evil games, it's meant to be replayed. So after Mm -hmm. you play it, you unlock certain things and then you start building this currency where you can unlock more things. So more infinite ammo and special kinds of weapons like assault rifles and stuff that you would have access to from the beginning of the game. But the problem was in many new game plus situations, when you finish a game, you save it and then it'll the menu will say new game or new game plus. So you get to choose new game plus, And then that's when you get all of your old material and money and everything. And this one, it doesn't, what you have to do is hit continue and not new game, which, you know, didn't make sense in my mind. Cause I'm like, if I hit continue, it's going to go to my last save point, which is going to be the end of the game. But no, you have to go to continue and then choose the save file that you used for the last game that you completed and then you'll get all this thing so i play through the game like five times and none of the times that i get all my old stuff i thought <laughs> new game plus meant like you get to keep the stuff that you've unlocked which was true if i unlocked like a an assault rifle with infinite ammo then once i got to the merchant in the game i could buy it from him but no with new game plus you get everything. So like, I started my last playthrough, and I got, I had all the weapons that I ended the game with. I had all the money. I had all the weapon unlocks and all the customizations and everything. So, I played through my goddamn hard playthrough on like hard, basically, like from the beginning. So, um, so that's exciting. So now I'm, that's why I'm like gonna go through and finish unlocking stuff, do the ultra hard playthrough. Uh, but then I started Mass Effect Two. I am very deep into it already. I, I spent like the last three or four days playing playing it almost all day because I took some time off from the dissertation, and I it's just there's so much to this game. Um, I I don't want to say too much. I know you. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're you haven't decided if you're going to jump to straight to two or not yet. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm I've already been I'm romancing, um, bromancing. I am uh, wearing my Blood Dragon armor. I'm just having a having a good time with that. So that's mostly what I've been playing. But what have you slash we have been playing?
1: Everybody's Golf.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, just to kind of briefly talk about that, because I know we still have to get to our future. <laughs> but Everybody's Golf is a game that came out in 2017, and we played it. I think we could say pretty voraciously for a yeah. while, like a couple of months at least, right? Yeah, I
0: think so. Um,
1: and we – I remember so many like later nights and we were both like we're still solidly in grad school at that point and being like, you want to you wanna play just like one more 18 holes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it takes a long time to get through that. But – I have it in my memory that it was such a delightful game to play on its own like merit, but also we had so many good conversations while playing it. So for me, it's very much like it's a cool game, but like that social element is great.
0: Which is, is funny because it reflects real golf. Like, you know, from what I've heard from people who play, I've only, I've only shot once with my cousin, but I've never actually played golf. But from what I hear, it's part of it is the social aspect of it. Like you do it to go out with friends and just hang out for the day And that's, like you said, that's exactly what what we were doing. And I I think back in the, I think at that time, we were looking for a bowling game, weren't we? We were like, Mm -hmm. let's find a bowling game that we can play. And we just weren't satisfied with the options. And then we were like, what about golf? And I remembered golf is one of those things that it's like one of the earliest video games I've ever played. Like my parents had this little handheld golf game that... Wasn't brand, it was probably branded, but it wasn't like a Nintendo or Atari or anything. It was just this like standalone little golf game. Uh, and then I played golf on the NES. Um, oh man, who made golf? So it was made by some, ended up being some famous, I think it might have been the guy who ended up becoming, um, Satoru Iwata, the guy who ended up becoming president of Nintendo. I think he programmed that game. Oh, really? Yeah um wow. <laughs> yeah and and he i'm re- I'm making my way through his book too and it's it's pretty interesting it's very light fair it's a very short easy read uh it's all sort of taken from different conversations and posts that he's made so it's not like a very meaty direct kind of you know statement that he's trying to make it's just all these really little light airy ideas of his but um yeah i think golf is one of the ones for, that he programmed for oh, the nes cool. but um but yeah, like those games, golf games have not really changed very much over the years. That that little mechanic at the bottom, that little bar, you time the presses to for strength and for accuracy. Um, and so it's so easy to just pick up. And like you said, it's such a simple game. You can be competitive if you want to. You don't have to be. It's very fun. It's just, yeah.
1: I love that with our friend group, we're like genuinely excited when like someone gets a good shot like yeah. i like we're jokingly a little bit competitive yeah. but it's mostly like oh you fucking hit the rock and you went into the water damn that sucks right and then when you get like an eagle you're like oh my god like i fucking love that about this I, game and I'm, like
0: our yeah. group dynamics that's why like every time we do like a, a par three i'm like come on a hole in one like if any of us gets a hole in one i think we're gonna lose our shit because <laughs> yeah it's even so... if it's with the
1: tornado cup we're just yeah <laughs>
0: absolutely um and uh, so that weirdly enough that's the thing i'm looking forward to the most with our group dynamic is like when someone gets a a, a hole-in-one that's going to be so exciting um but yeah this is an old game it's like from 2017 or 16 2017. or something it's oh, yeah. not that old Come it's on. like one year older what do you it's <laughs> <That's> four years <laughs> four years plus pandemic time which is is like a total of like okay, 12 so it's 14 years 14 years old exactly yeah <laughs> um
1: but check it out is 20 bucks 20 bucks yeah and it's there's a vr bucks.
0: version that i have and i have not played yeah,
1: yet. yeah me too so,
0: yeah um so okay well let's do let's let's get to our feature then so we yes. both played <laughs> little short little indie games um and we were just wanted to kind of report on them i guess talk about yeah. a little bit yeah so what what game did you play
1: Yeah. So I played Knife Sisters, which came out in 2019, and it's available on PC. And it's coming from, uh, I believe it's Bobby Sand and Transcenders Media. And essentially, Knife Sisters is a, it's a visual novel. Um, Some have described it as like a Uh, erotic or like a kinky visual novel but essentially it's exploring consent and relationships Mm. and it does so by looking at this cast of like mid 20 something year olds and you go through the story playing as um, leo who is non-binary can i just say this is the first time in my life that i've ever played a non-binary character in a video game wow That fucking meant the world to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking about how, like, no offense, but, like, white dudes get, like, the most representation and they just, like, see themselves everywhere. This shouldn't be so special to me. Yeah. Right, but it is. But it was great to see. Um, and Leo is is socially awkward. They are seemingly like incapable of feeling love, and they're navigating um, sort of like their little. It's not really a commune, but they there's a bunch of them who are living in this apartment, and then there's people who are adjacent to that space, um, such as your your best friend Ayana. Um, and basically there's this new person who's moved into your uh, your your apartment and Dagger is her name and she is like mysterious and there's a little bit of these kind of like witchy vibes in the occult going on mm-hmm. and you're sort of like drawn to this person which then puts you in these complicated um, kind of social scenarios. And so basically, like I said, it's a visual novel so choice is a big factor. So there's dialogue options but there's also options of like who are you going to spend the day with and what relationship are you going to kind of foster? Um, I did one playthrough; It took me about five ish, maybe six hours. Uh, but I would be curious to sort of test the sort of limits of those, those choices and those options a little bit, because there are times when you're asked to like, are you going to be truthful about this thing? Or are you going to be deceptive? Or are you going to straight up lie? Wow. Um, and there's also um, so, so kind of as a, as a, I guess a, a kind of content warning so this game features uh sex sexual encounters and there is you know bdsm so if you are not okay with that or you're triggered by you know bdsm relationships this is a game to avoid because you can't uh you can't get around the sexual encounters you have to like it's
0: part of the core of the game it's,
1: it's part of the narrative um as far as romance i don't want to give too much away but There are two kind of romance options, depending on how you play it. Um, The one character, Mo, is also non-binary, and then Vicky is a trans woman. And I really felt like the representation was about as on point as I've ever seen it in a video game. And just like the diversity overall was really just delightful to experience, Um, and just kind of see being represented. And I think that this game does so much so well with the diversity. And I haven't seen that before in a game, like just with the, I guess, quality of the representation, but also like the constant presence of it. But it didn't feel contrived. It didn't feel manufactured in any way. It was like, no, this is, you know, a group of people who have, um, you know, varying, uh, relationships and, and, you know, sexualities and things like that. And it just felt like this is a group of friends that actually exist. And so that was really cool to see. Um, I liked, you know, the, the choices, the art style is really cool. It's, um, it's grayscale. So it's, you know, it's, it's black and white, which works really well given some of the, um, I guess the thematic content and also kind of like the, uh, the occult undertones that are kind of going through this game. Mm. Um, I don't really want to touch on the story because if you go through the story, then you kind of spoil the whole thing. Right. Um, but if you're interested in representation, diversity and a mature story that has a little bit of a mystery um, that is also uh, very like positive in how sex is portrayed and also like how consent is portrayed then definitely check this game out
0: so a few things number one you said that there were there's it centers around the concept of consent right but you also said that you can make these choices and lie can you do shitty things in this game because it sounds that- like you're it's putting you in the position to like <laughs> yeah you know be a be a bad person
1: you potentially can make bad decisions but i don't feel like it does it in such a way again like i yeah, through you it making it. certain decisions right. right um the way that i played it was i tried to be as honest as i could most of the time but part of what complicates that is leo the protagonist has never really felt love and so when they get into this relationship with Vicky, who very much, like, falls for you, right. you you're, there's kind of this balancing act of, like, me as the player, I really liked Vicky. And I was like, this is the route that I want to go. But Leo was like, I, I don't really know if I'm, like, in love with them. So that kind of complicated some things. Mm. I don't know if that really answered your question, but...
0: Well, um, maybe th- I don't want to, I don't want you to spoil the story, yeah. but, but like, can you, so if you can't answer this, totally fine, but like, okay. can you not respect consent? I guess that's part of my question is like, you said that there, it plays around with consent a lot. Well, what if they don't give consent? Does it, are you forced to sort of end I, it there, which is the right choice?
1: I was never in a situation where I like blew straight past consent. So when it comes to stuff like happening in the bedroom, um, you might like, you have the options of being like assertive, caring, and then whatever the third option was that I'm, that I'm thinking of in this specific scene. Um, And then like you get to pick one of those and then the, 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 the choice option might pop up. That's like, ask Vicky if this is okay. And it'll say like consent But you can also um, choose to just keep going through, like, hitting enter and going through the dialogue or the scene options and not selecting those things. But not selecting is also a choice, right? Mm. So saying, like, I don't want to pick that dialogue option and you just keep going forward with the scene is also a type of option. Hmm. Um, I don't know that the game will put you in a position when it comes to the sex to not be consensual. Right. Because I think the game is trying to like teach you like <laughs> you should be, right? Right. Um well that's
0: why I wondered if there where... was like negative consequences to not respecting consent or something like that. Cause you can gamify it in that way too.
1: Right, but... right. I think there are there are relationship things that you can kind of fuck up with the like romanceable characters. When when I mentioned the um the like lies and deception, that more so has to do with the the other mystery portion of the narrative that I don't really want to give away.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think that, and boundaries, I think, is a really interesting issue that I haven't seen done in a lot of even indie games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, and I'll get to this when I talk about my game too, is like a lot of these indie games are meant to be lessons, you know?
1: How about any game? Yeah. Period. There's so much that this game does that AAA games have never attempted to do. Or if they did, it came out in such a shitty like way like it wasn't really um developed to the extent that it should have been
0: well it's interesting that you say that because i'm playing mass effect and there are this there's this this race in mass effect called um asari and they're they don't have gender but okay. they're gendered by the game and by the universe as female and so they're referred to as female they look female and okay. so, like, I was thinking about that yesterday, and I was like, so they had an opportunity there to really comment on gender and play around with it a little bit. And I feel like they didn't take it. So I don't feel like it's necessarily, like, problematic representation. It's just, like, missed opportunity for what could have been good representation or interesting representation. Yeah. Because with I, science yeah. fiction especially, you have there's so much you can do with science fiction, and they've done <laughs> that. Like, Ursula Le Guin right. has a great novel about... Um, essentially like transness and like gender and i'm forgetting the damn name of it now but um but like science fiction you can mess around with that stuff a lot because there's there's no rules you're talking about different you're talking about aliens that can have any number of traits Mm. that humans don't have um so i was a little bit like damn that's kind of a missed opportunity you could have could have done something with that um another thing is you were talking about representation and how you were like oh sorry no offense or whatever I I still am baffled that there are people like me that are offended when a game like this comes out where people are like, oh, it's so cool that there's a non-binary, non-binary character. I can literally name right now a hundred games with straight, white, cisgendered male protagonists. You know what I mean? Right. I can literally name a hundred games off the top of my head. Um, and like, how many can I name that have a non-binary character? You know what I mean? Like that's. This is the only one. Right.
1: And and, okay, I'm not saying that they're not out there. As far as like indie games, I'm trying to make more of an effort this summer to like play games that that deal more with like representation and sexuality and things like that. Um, So I'm sure that there are other games out there. But as far as like what I've stumbled upon so far this is like one of those little gems i think and i'm i'm gonna remember this like i'm planning on journaling about this this evening yeah. <laughs> you know um but if anyone out there listening has recommendations let me know hit me up
0: <laughs> definitely um but yeah that sounds that definitely sounds like something i'd be interested in
1: i want you to play it i want to i want to talk to you about this game
0: <laughs> i'll i'll pr- try to play it soon then uh, if it's that short cool. you know um I had another question. I can't remember what it was, but uh, anything else you want to add about it? Sounds very interesting.
1: I definitely think this one is worth, you know, experiencing. Um, I do understand that for some people, the BDSM element is going to be like a hard no. I totally respect that. Um, If if it's not a hard no, but you're not sure, like, "Eh, I'm not really sure about this. I still think it's worth taking a look at just because... Um, so so as someone who's not like super familiar with like BDSM and, and um, the communities and things like that, I felt like this was done in, I don't know the right word, but I guess just in like an approachable and a respectful way. And I really appreciated how consent was handled. So.
0: Well, you you said before we played, you very briefly gave me like a couple of thoughts about it. And one of the things you said, it's sexual, but it's not pornographic, right? So it's yes. not like it's going to be like in your face with the sexual sexual stuff. So
1: depending on, I guess how you approach sex, there there are people who think that this game is pornography. Of course, yeah. But yeah.
0: there there were people who thought Mass Effect One was pornography. So let's you know really? that. Oh my lord! One of my favorite clips to show my my class is um, from Fox News. They had uh, this author on who was an author of some book about parenting or something like that, and they had Jeff Keely on, and they were there to talk about the sex scene in Mass Effect and how their their like little headline on the on the screen at the bottom was uh, "Sex Box?" question mark Um, and they were talking about how there was this explicit sex scene in mass effect one. And like, this is, you know, kids play games and stuff like that. And the author, they let her talk first. Of course they did. And she was like, this is disgusting. Our kids are exposed to this and it does terrible things to their minds and blah, blah, blah. And Jeff Keighley's first response was they gave gave him a chance to speak. And he was like, Oh, um, I think her name was like faith or something. He's like faith. I just, a quick quick question. Have you played this game? And she scoffed and was like, ah, no, and so he's like, right, exactly. You haven't played this game. The scene in the game is very tame. It's nothing that you wouldn't see on like, you know, uh, primetime broadcasts like ABC or NBC or something like right. that. Um, and he's like, and and that's the problem is we have these misconceptions about games and who plays them. It's rated M for mature. It's meant for adults, blah, blah, blah. So he did a really great job of of kind of standing up and representing Um, But they sort of they cut him off. And of course, they let her have the last word. My favorite part of that story is, though, and this is one of the reasons I show show it to my class, is because it was one of the earliest examples that I know of where the Internet responded. So this clip went around. Gamers saw it everyone was outraged of course and so they went to amazon and other sites barnes and noble and they left one star reviews on her book that had just come (laughs) out that she was promoting and in the reviews they were like you know i haven't read it but i've heard that it's very sexual or whatever whatever. is beautiful
1: that's like the best of like the social review bombing yep it's and again it's one
0: of my it's the one of the earliest situations or examples of that that i can remember but um (laughs) But all over this, this incredibly tame sex scene where you see a part of a, si- a blue side boob or a flash yeah. of a butt, you know. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. And I look forward to more games like that, definitely. Um, the game that I've been playing, you actually played with your mm-hmm. partner on stream, um, A Mortician's Tale. And it's also a, a situation of representation mm-hmm. for death. Yes. Um, I would say the two... So I'm, I'm going to have to spoil the story. It's a, it, it literally took me an hour to play through this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are interested in it, it's uh, by Laundry Bear Games. It came out in 2017. It's for PC, iOS, Mac. Um, I played it through the itch.io or itch.io bundle um, for Black Lives Matter that came out a while ago. Uh, what? Not, not, that's the other question I had for you. Knife Sisters, you said it's on PC. What platform? Steam...
1: Um, just, uh, itch.io, I believe. Okay. I, I don't think it's on Steam. It might have been at one time. Let me, let me check real quick.
0: And itch.io or itch.io, I, I call it itch.io, but I hear people it It, it's not
1: on steam so you'd have to go through through itch.io i know i go back and forth though itch.io itch.io i don't whatever
0: i think itch.io is like the colloquial like there would be like the (laughs) title but then people say itch.io to make sure people know where to go because that's the site is itch.io but um but yeah that that site is essentially the epic games Store's indie storefront because epic Mm -hmm. games owns it so they sort of kind of allow it to be this huge you know, indie space, but, um, indie friendly space, but like, uh, so our mortician's tale is on itch.io. Um, it's also on iOS and Mac and I, it says PC. I don't remember other than itch if it's on anything else, but, um, it's a very, it's an incredibly short game. Like I said, it took me just over an hour to beat. So I I don't feel like I can cover much of it without spoiling anything. So if you want to play it, go out, go out there. It's a, it's a cheap, very easy game to, to find and play.
1: I was just going to say like even if you keep listening to what Joey's going to say I still think it's worth experiencing that game.
0: So Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, and it's it's there's virtually no gameplay and the gameplay that there is is not gated or there's no penalties for anything. Mm-hmm. It's very directed. So it's almost like a visual novel. There are things that you can do in the game, but you can't really do them wrong or anything like that. So um, it's like a more like a short visual experience, or I, I guess I might say. Um, but yeah, so if you don't want the story spoiled at all, obviously go ahead and stop listening now. But um, it's a so it's called a Mortician's Tale, and essentially you pay, play this new mortician who works for this mom and pop uh, funeral home, and your job is to prepare the bodies to be then kind of presented for a funeral so Mm -hmm. you if there's embalming that needs to be done you embalm them you need to clean the bodies you need to prepare them for cremation and really you only go through i think five bodies five or six bodies or something like that maybe maybe six or seven but there's there's not that many bodies like i said it's a very short game um but as i was playing i was like this game like your game is is a game with purpose it's what what's been called a serious game mm-hmm. um the gameplay itself isn't really the important part playing through and cleaning bodies that's not the part that you're playing for every piece of this game is saying something about the two major themes are death and capitalism um so this mom and pop shop that you start working out for uh, or you start working in things aren't working out for them financially. So they end up selling to this larger conglomerate that owns multiple funeral homes. And they really sort of destroy the spirit of the original place, which was very respectful of different backgrounds and cultures. Um, And of course, it's just, again, it's very anti-capitalist because they come in and they're like, you know, try to upsell them, try to get them to buy the more expensive stuff. Um, They're not very clear on cost. So one of the things that you can check in this game, most of the interface of the game takes place through this web browser. And there's only ever two tabs open. One is your email tab and that's where you read email. So that's the reading portion of it. And then the other one is the homepage for the funeral home. Mm -hmm. And uh, originally with the mom and pop shop, it has all the prices listed. It's like this much for this, this kind of service, this much for this kind of cremation. Um, When it turns over to the conglomerate, this big capitalist corporate corporation, um, it's all opaque. It's like, you can get a bronze package, which has this and this and that, and a silver package contact us for estimates and that kind of thing. Um, but I think in terms, so in in terms of capitalism, the message is very clear. Capitalism corporations are bad. They're going to ruin everything. They're not respectful. They're just out for profit. Um, in terms of death, I thought what was so interesting about that, because that anti-capitalist idea is like all over the place. Like you can see that in tons of media going back decades, but, with death, I can't think of very many other movies or games or anything that is trying to be as informational and respectful about death as this game is. Mm-hmm. They're trying to teach you about the death um, or the funeral funeral practices of different cultures. Uh, that's one thing. They're trying to teach you you know, uh, about how bodies are prepared and why they're prepared that way. Um, but they're also, I just think, trying to normalize death in a way. And the graphics are very sort of simple and kind of cartoony. So you don't have to worry about, you know, even the bodies that you prep. There is a there is a somberness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, it's done very respe- respectfully. But it's not gory. Um, the very first body I prepared, there was a little bit of me that was like, mm, this is kind of weird. But right. other than that, like after that, it was... Um,
1: But I wonder how much of that is just the way that our our like Western, like our Western ideals and like the way that we think of and view death and we're not used to being that maybe intimate with it.
0: Right. Uh, Yeah. And I also think the game is trying to get you to confront the fact that death is something that you have to, as a living person, that you have to deal with. So like when a loved one dies what does it cost i don't know i don't i have no idea what i know it's expensive but that's it like <laughs> i've never i haven't dealt with death in a long time so i don't know the you know how you go through these things i don't know how much they cost i don't know what the options are but now i do or at least I think I do based on what the game presented. Cause there's also a newsletter that you read in your email and that newsletter is informational. It's, you know, ostensibly informational for the character in the game, but really it's informational for the player. And they talk about all of these different options. They talk about natural burials, um, where, and it's something that I had heard of. And that's what I want when I die, which is like, they put you in a bio um, shroud, I guess I would say, I, I was mm-hmm. going to say a sack. That sounds kind of disrespectful. <laughs> Um, that's basically what it is. (laughs) That's, that's Um, an image. (laughs) And it's, it's like seeded with all these spores of mushrooms so that when you're put into the ground, um, there are all these very helpful, uh, organisms that will break down your body and get rid of the toxins Mm -hmm. and grow life. And like, I'm like, that's what I want. Like, I've always wanted my body to be put to use by nature when I die. Mm -hmm. I saw you smirking. You're going to say the shark thing, aren't you? Nope. (laughs) I just want to be eaten by a damn shark. That's useful, okay? <laughs> but um, if I can be, you know, buried in a sack of mushrooms, and that's also good. Um, mm-hmm. but, but they go through all these options, and they're things that, you know, if you've never had to deal with death, you wouldn't be privy to, and you might just be talked into this very expensive process with embalming and this casket and all this stuff by right. a corporate funeral home. So... I really appreciated how informational it was just about the process in general of death and not even the, the cultural stuff that was interesting too, but just the idea of choice when, you know, when you die, you have choice. There was one specific thing referring to choice that I thought was really interesting. One of the newsletters talked about like the issue of trans burials and how Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes as a funeral director, you run into this, this very unfortunate situation where a trans person passes away and then their wishes to be buried as they lived are not respected by their family. And they don't allow you to play that out in one of your scenarios, but you play out something similar um, where a a person committed suicide and in their note, their like written will that wasn't necessarily officially, um, you know, uh, presented or or filed or whatever, um, they ask for a cremation, and their family says no. We want an open casket funeral, and so that's what you end up having to give them. And I thought it was just interesting because like I'm sort of torn on that because on the one hand, I understand that funerals are for the living. At least that's what they they say. Right, um, they're meant to be a, a place where you can, as the living person find closure or at least start the process of grieving and healing um but does that mean that you get to then disregard the the wishes of the dead Mm -hmm. you know like that like again on the one hand i was like well if, if funerals are for the living if we agree to that which i don't know that we would plenty of people i think would say no it's the other way around or it should be um, but if we do agree to that, then then it wouldn't matter, right? You're doing it for the closure of the people who are alive. But then I'm like, but would I want my wishes disregarded? No. If I want to be put in a mushroom sack and thrown right. in a hole, like, do that. You it know does, I mean? It's not
1: respectful to the essence of the person.
0: Right. And, and you go to death if it's known. If you know you're going to die, you go to death with that understanding. That's one mm-hmm. of the things that you probably find comfort in, like, well, once I'm gone, my, my wishes are going to be respected. And so then to have, you know, and and in the, in the newsletter, it talks about, well, what about the living spouse? You know what I mean? Like to of a trans person who's like, who has to go to that funeral and see the one that they loved presented as something that they didn't live as, you know what I mean? Like that, Mm -hmm. that really sucks. So I thought it was really interesting that they touched on that too, because it stimulates that conversation and that idea again of people that you probably don't think about that very often, but you know, how do you ensure that your wishes are respected when you pass? Like that's mm-hmm. that's a really interesting, yeah, thing. Uh, but yeah, I really liked it. Again, it was very short. Um, I, like I said, it was very simple. There's there there are some gameplay mechanics. You walk around by cleaning the body. You just click on the tool and then click on the body. Very simple gameplay interaction or, uh, interactivity. Um, but I thought it was a really thought provoking and purposeful game, so I definitely recommend A Mortician's Tale. Um, so, so if you're so inclined, definitely check that out. Yeah. All right. What are we talking about next week? We're talking about E3, motherfuckers. E3. We're going to talk about and dreams. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about what we want to see. We're going to talk about, um, I think we're going to talk about what we expect, you know, this, the normal kind of stuff. But then uh, my favorite thing about E3 is, and this is, this shouldn't be my favorite thing, but I like talking about things that I am like, I, I, that's the thing that I want the most. And it's, we virtually never get it. So there's like, these like pie in the sky kind of ideas of like, right, right. I want Nintendo to release a new earthbound or something like that. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the fun of like preparing for E3 is all these like could, could, could they right. do it kind of situation so yeah um but we'll be it's doing- very exciting yeah so we'll be talking about that um until then thank you so much for listening you can reach us as always at prettypixelspodcast at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at losperman. you can find tab on twitter at random mox is it random mox without random it's just random random mox, mox. Yep. Random mox. Mm-hmm. Um, and until next week we'll just be here yeah, Impocuous. dreaming, dreaming about E3. Yes. God, we still haven't come up with it. We got to come up with a closer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.